Welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a podcast from the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. I'm your host, Dr. Saul Rosenthal. In this podcast, we explore the ever-fascinating connections between brain, body, health, and happiness. Today's guide to the world of mind and body will talk with us about the wider world. Colleen Bowe is a psychometrist and neurofeedback provider from South Africa. Colleen provides QEEG-guided neurofeedback and educational career and organizational assessments. She's also a member of the Biofeedback Association of South Africa. Biofeedback's pretty well established in North America where I'm at, but it's helping people all over the world. I'm really looking forward to learning how Colleen and her colleagues are facing the challenges that, uh, of bringing biofeedback into the wider world and about the history of it in South Africa and how they're making it work. So Colleen, welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body. Thank you for having me, Dr. Rosenthal. So I'd like to start with a little bit about you. You're a psychometrist and, and a neurofeedback provider. Could you tell us more about your background and the sort of work you're doing? So my background is in psychology. Um, a lot of traumatic brain injury cases. Um, here we have the what we call the road accident fund. So if people have been involved in a motor vehicle related incident and have suffered a, a head injury as part of their insurance claim processes, um, they would have to undergo a full battery of neuropsychological and psychological assessments. Um, so those are the assessments that I've generally been involved in. And then I came across neurofeedback um, as a, a means of helping people not just finish the process at assessment level, but what can we do to help people and help to optimize their functioning and where they're at currently. Um, so a lot of neuropsych type of assessments. Also, the reason I got into neurofeedback is how it helped my own family. Uh, my daughter struggled with attention-related difficulties as a young child, um, and I then met the people who brought neurofeedback into South Africa, and that's how I was introduced into this field, um, made such a tremendous difference in our own home and our own family that I decided I had to learn more about this and be able to reach more people with this modality. Yeah, I'm, I find that when I talk to people who are providers, a lot of them learned about neurofeedback when it helped them or their families. It, it's, uh, it seems to be spreading that way, which, which is really nice. Now, most most of our listeners are in uh, the United States or Canada, although we, we do get people listening to this podcast from all over the world. But we typically think of biofeedback and neurofeedback as kind of North American based and, and uh, maybe also in the UK and Europe and, and Australia has a lot of neurofeedback as well. But it's obviously it's practiced all over the world. Can you tell us a bit about the practice in South Africa and how it's how it's growing? So neurofeedback was brought to South Africa about 15 to 20 years ago. Um, I think by an individual who, who needed some help for herself um, and found out about this from the States and then learned to be a, a, be a trainer, brought it into South Africa. And there were a couple of people who were involved in this field, some down in the Cape and some up here in Gauteng, where I'm based. Um, but all had to travel to either Europe or to the States to get training and buy equipment and that type of thing. Um, and then they, they started to connect and set up our association in its current form, which is the Biofeedback Association of South Africa. 
Um, so they started in small groups, um, bringing you know basic equipment into the country, mostly people that are psychologists, um, occupational therapists, um, some chiropractors, as well as some homeopaths, and set up our association so that training could become more formalized and that we could guide people through the proper channels of training. Um, because we didn't want people to be just gung-ho doing little courses here and there and advertising themselves as neurofeedback and biofeedback providers. Um, so the aim of our association um, is to guide the training. We're not regulatory. We don't check up on everybody. But we do set out the pathway to becoming properly um, certified. And we encourage all our members to become BCIA certified. Currently, from starting off with about 10 members, we now have 70 members, and a large number of them are BCIA certified. Um, we've got one pelvic floor um, biofeedback um, practitioner, some HRV um, certified practitioners, and then the large majority are the neurofeedback and biofeedback um, certified practitioners. And We've even got some members who are in Dubai, um, as well as in northern, a bit north up in Africa, um, in Mozambique. Um, so those sort of that channel of the world also collaborates with us for training and um, mentoring and things like that. Are, are there other professional organizations, uh, other biofeedback organizations in in the continent? Not that we're aware of, no. Um, so. We are sort of groundbreaking in South Africa and the African region. Um, and that's why some of the training programs we've even presented in the last year or so have been quite well attended um, by people up in the Middle East um, as far as Turkey um, and a lot from Dubai are sort of getting on the bandwagon and doing the training that we recommend and that we present. Seems like one of the goals is to get more, uh, more providers uh, certified by BCIA and are you providing the training at this point, or are you still bringing people in uh, from from Europe and from the US? So one of our um, board members, uh, McGill Scott, she is uh, affiliated with Stress Therapy Solutions. So she is the provider in South Africa. So before COVID, she would host the training, um, the didactic training here in Johannesburg, and people would come and attend. Nowadays, she does it online. Um, so we do have the, the stress therapy solutions um, person available to us here. But other um, training courses people may want to do, we generally join in online, um, you know, provided by the States or um, Europe. So in a way, COVID has helped us a lot because it means we don't have to travel all over the world. Um, we're able to join into more of these type of activities online. Yeah, that's one one of the things that the the pandemic has done is kind of pushed us to be online more. Uh, but I imagine it's been a big challenge as well. Uh, are you seeing folks face to face at this point? How is your practice going? So my practice is in uh, face to face. Um, the The difficulty here is that if you want people to train remotely or from home, the cost of the equipment is just a barrier for them. Um, we can't. You know, our patients can't afford to lay out thousands and thousands of brands to get a, a unit for home use. Um, we have recently been in discussion with um, a platform, I'm sure you're aware, MindLift, where they are looking at, um, you know, allowing us, we, we purchase those headsets that they, they use, um, but then they would give us a discounted price on the actual neurofeedback monitoring program that they offer. 
Um, so that's something we are going to be introducing to our members soon. There are one or two people who make use of those, but it's very much the exception. Um, here, if you're going to do neurofeedback, people have to come into your office. So cost of equipment is a real challenge. The pandemic, I'm sure, has added challenges. What, what are some of the other challenges you're facing to bring biofeedback to, to widen its, its spread in, in South Africa? So at the moment, our main concern is the provision of electricity. Um, may seem like a basic requirement for, for most of the world, but um, currently we are experiencing a complete meltdown of our national grid, um, and that's at government level. So it's not anything that we as individuals are in control of. Um, they call it load shedding. So basically our power stations are coal-fired power stations, and they have not been maintained for many, many decades. And they are breaking down at an alarming rate. Um, another thing that's recently come to light is the level of corruption within the organization that is so widespread. Um, from the coal mines themselves, the companies that transport the coal to the, the power stations, as well as employees inside of the power stations, um, so just as an example, uh, a coal mine will be approved as generating good quality coal that will be you know, given a contract to mine coal for the power stations. But what they'll do is along the route, the trucks will pull over, the coal will get mixed with rocks and other substandard material that gets fed into the coal station and causes a breakdown. Um, so we cannot generate enough electricity to provide the nation with power. So they've implemented a process of load shedding where we all have apps on our cell phones and your area will be designated into a block. And depending on the level of load shedding we're on, your power will be switched off in blocks of time. So anywhere between two and a half hours at a time, going up to four and a half hours at a time. And the current level that we're in now, level six, we do not have power for 11 hours of the day. So the cycles, um, you know, throughout the day, throughout the night, that's so one area has power while the other doesn't, and then it will rotate. And in order to stop the grid from reaching a complete collapse from which we would never be able to recover. Um, that provides or creates a huge problem for us because our jobs are very tech-based. Your laptop can't be charged. Um, you don't have the screen for people to watch the display on. Um, the internet doesn't work. All of those little challenges build into the neurofeedback, biofeedback world. Um, even if you and most of us have invested in backup power, we have to. Um, your UPS, for example, will keep your computer running for a bit, but the constant on, off, on, off of the equipment causes the batteries not to last as long as they should either. And so your cost of replenishing those batteries has to be taken into consideration. Um, a lot of us have had to put solar power onto our roofs um, so that we are powered by the sun, provided it's a sunny day, but on a rainy day, that's also can be a bit suspect. Um, the other challenge is the internet. So your ISP, even if you have backup devices and your Wi-Fi router is on, um, the ISP themselves may run out of battery backup and then the signal drops um, and We've at the moment got sort of three main cellular providers 
So you basically have to have a contract with all of them in case the one drops, you can hop to the other, hop to the other, and hope one of them is up and running to keep your, your sessions going. Um, so all of those are compounding factors that make it really difficult to run a neurofeedback practice here. Um, it's not not doable, but it does add to your costs. So, so even just basic infrastructure problems, that's the, the, at the base. You must be facing a lot of other challenges given some, some of what at least we're, we're hearing outside of South Africa about difficulties and challenges within the culture and w- among the people. What sorts, of, what sorts of problems are people coming in with? What, what, uh, your clients, what sort of issues are you dealing with? So we see a lot of trauma and we see a lot of anxiety. Um, if you think of, of just the uncertainty that we face in terms of the power um, difficulties, you don't know that your fridge can stay on long enough for your food to remain fresh. Um, during the power outages, your security cameras go down, your alarm system doesn't work. There's a spate of um, increased crime during those times because the criminals also have access to the load shedding app and they know when your area is down. Um, We've had instances where the actual power substations get burgled during load shedding and all the cables are stolen. And that then takes 48 hours to repair. Um, Leaving your home, there's traffic because the traffic lights don't work. Crime is opportunistic. They will smash your window to grab your cell phone you're in such a gridlock that you can't go anywhere to escape that. So we are always on high alert, on fight or flight mode. And just in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we write down on level one and two. And even despite your best efforts, it's very difficult to get up to higher levels unless you have significant amounts of funds to, to get there. Um, so the people we see from the age of six years old you will see QEGs with a lot of high beta activity. Um, We never see a QEG that has insufficient beta. Um, Everybody is anxious here. The levels of trauma, um, we have violent crime in South Africa. So while things may get stolen or you may get pickpocketed elsewhere in the world, here that will come along with a level of violence um, that's unprecedented. So, There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of trauma. Um, Gender-based violence is endemic in our society um, because we have a patriarchal history here. Um, Women, especially in poorer communities, are are not treated well. And it filters into other areas of society um, where women particularly feel very vulnerable and are easy targets for crime and even within their own homes. So we see a lot of a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety that then impacts other things, your learning, your memory, your sleep, your, um, you know, concentration, everything is affected, but at its core, it's all trauma-based. Are you enjoying this podcast? Want to hear more from our guests? Come to their NRBS webinar. We have both free and very inexpensive continuing education programs. So whatever level of interest you have in biofeedback, neurofeedback, and neuromodulation, You'll find plenty to choose from at nrbs.org. Follow the links in the show notes. We hope to see you at an upcoming program. Given that context, just down at level one and two of of Maslow's hierarchy, basic needs, how does neurofeedback and biofeedback help? What are the the differences or changes that you're seeing in, in the patients you're working with? 
So for us, a lot of it is about teaching people how to regulate their autonomic nervous system. Um, doing heart rate variability training, for example, is very important and regulating breath work because it's a tool people can take out of the room with them into the world. Um, and being able to calm yourself when you are in a high stress um, environment. And while we may not be able to take the stress of daily life away, we can allow people to regulate better. So, for example, if somebody is simmering on the edge of this breakdown all the time, if we can bring them down a notch or two, they can logically reason their way through problems rather than just reacting with emotion um, and fear. So it's allowing the logical voice to come through and see what options you do have um, so that you can approach problems from a thinking perspective rather than just a purely emotional reaction um, perspective. And have you followed any of your patients longer term? I'm just kind of curious about how uh, or if they're able to kind of bring these skills into their lives in, in any meaningful way. We do have a great success. Um, a lot of people will come in here just feeling completely wired and their, their nervous system is so tightly strung. And by being able to relax that and being able to um, calm the brain down, calm the vagus nerve down, um, a lot of people will come to some realizations on their own of what they need to change in their lives and what is within their control what is without their control, and to make change in the things that they are able to change, be that in their work environment or just speak up about things that are not working for them and propose other solutions to problems. So I think it gives people a, a louder logical reasoning um, and builds their confidence. So even though you're not able to change the situation you may find yourself in, being able to voice your concerns or focus on things that are more within your control and more positive in your life, it does have a profound impact on people and the way they, they manage the next stress that comes along because um, the baseline is brought down. So they're not so reactive. They can think through the problem before it reaches a crisis point. So obviously it's not going to to fix the basic uh, infrastructure problems or anything like that, but it, it is helping people get more control over themselves, maybe more um, self-advocacy, self-efficacy. So you're, you're on the board of the Biofeedback Association of South Africa, and so I'm curious about how you and the board, or how, how you and the organization are growing, getting, getting this to more people in South Africa. What's what's the uh, what can you tell me about the association? I know it's been around for about 15, 20 years, so it's 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 pretty established. What what's uh, tell me about the mission? Tell me about what you all are are, are doing down there. So our main mission is education. Um, so making sure that people follow the correct path um, and making sure that people already have. Um, certification with our Health Professions Council of South Africa, as well as the Allied Health Professions Council. So that's sort of the first criteria we, we like people to have met before we will even allow them to attend the didactic training, because it gives them a scope of practice as well as a code of ethics under which they are governed. And then the next thing is to ensure that 
they continue education. So we offer a variety of um, continued, or you guys call it CE points. Um, here it's called uh, CPD or continued professional development. So we offer monthly webinar sessions where we have a speaker, either a local person or we've had a variety of international people attend as well and, and present on a, either a case study or a specific new type of technology or just a discussion group where people are allowed to bring tricky cases that they're working on and we can brainstorm and collaborate our ideas. So that happens once monthly and those are recognized as um, CPD activities. We also every month um, post an article, a journal article, which is relevant to the neuro and biofeedback world, where we have a quiz based on what you've read. Um, so you would read the article and complete the little questionnaire. You have to get a certain percentage point and then you're awarded your CPD points for that activity. Uh, we've also recently joined the MedShare community um, and I believe we are the only neuro and biofeedback association that are on the platform currently. Um, and the idea behind that is that medical professionals are able to collaborate um, ideas, post cases. You can upload a, you know, the image of your QEEG, a snippet of your raw EEG data, and pose a question or put a bit of a case history around that. And members of your group can then have a look and see if they've got different ideas of the way you could approach that case or you know, give you any suggestions or even just find out, oh, if this really worked for this client, maybe I'll try it with somebody that I'm working with. And so a way to get the conversation going, um, those are like sort of small group activities where you have to then be a member of BFSA to join the group. So it's not available, you know, to anybody from the public, but it allows us, because we're quite widely spread, to have a sense of community and get the conversation going um, and allow you to have a sounding board where you can ask questions and get a bit of guidance and help as well. Um, we also run training programs quite regularly. So, for example, last year we put together a basic introduction to EEG and QEEG, where we had, um, you know, right from looking at the raw data, how to set up the 1020 system, going all the way through to looking at QEG maps and developing a protocol based on what you're seeing. Um, so we had a series that went on over a few months um, and we had a, a great turnout for that, including some members from, from Dubai and from Turkey and um, other regions up north. That's a course we'd like to run annually so that new people to the field have an understanding of what they're looking at coming across their screen, what they're working with, um, and get used to the terminology and the language that we, we talk. We also have a neurophysiologist here who is very closely involved in what we do. And she hosts online mentoring sessions where she will you know, display some raw EEG data and take us through how they analyze the data. What do they look for? What is the alpha doing? Is it symmetrical? You know, go through the, the checklist really of looking at this data and coming to some sort of conclusion um, based on what you see. And that gives us a great opportunity to learn as well as to ask questions um, as you go along so that when you see these artifacts or is it something that we need to be more concerned about coming across your screen, you have a basic idea of what you're looking for and who you can refer to to get more information and see if you need to refer out on cases as well.
So the organization is really working to professionalize the practice to to come up with standardized or some standards in training and ongoing training uh, exactly. and, and collaborating among each other, but also it sounds like uh, outside other healthcare providers. And how, how is neurofeedback and biofeedback accepted by or not by other healthcare providers like psychiatry or medicine, neurology, things like that? So it's a slow process. Um, it is also something that is on our agenda to work um, more on. There are a number of integrative medical doctors that are on board with it. They will take the QEG into consideration and they often recommend neurofeedback to clients in conjunction with the um, you know, supplementation regimes and the, the medicine that they prescribe. Um, in the area that I am in, um, there are two psychiatrists that I know of who ask for QEGs before they will prescribe medication. Um, and then there are a number of other allied health um, sort of providers who are on board with neurofeedback. So occupational therapists, physiotherapists, they will refer um, for neurofeedback for certain cases. Um, but it is an ongoing conversation that needs to happen. Um, and part of what our plan for the year is, is to present at other organizations' um, conferences so that they can be more familiar with neurofeedback, what it is and where it can fit into what they're doing, and then help patients that they may be seeing as well. Well, we, we certainly have very similar issues here where acceptance by more traditional healthcare is 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 often slow. It depends. It depends a little bit where you're at. But how about the clients and patients you're working with? I, I would imagine for many of them, as it is for here, they, they may not have really heard of biofeedback or neurofeedback or really know what to make of it. How are you finding the acceptance among people who are using it? So initially, people are always a little bit hesitant. Um, and they're not sure what you're going to be doing to them and how these wires are going to be stuck on their head. And, you know, I think it's quite a scary sounding um, process. But the way that I explain it, um, the way that our association has sort of put together a, a little script of how you introduce people to neuro and biofeedback, um, Children are more accepting than adults. Adults are always a little bit more nervous and, and you know, overthink things. But once people experience the change, I find that they are complete converts and that they will then refer everybody they know must come for neurofeedback and it's, it's a life-changing intervention. Um, part of what we're doing as an association currently is um, putting together a little video that explains what neurofeedback is and has some visuals of somebody busy doing a session with the electrodes on and watching the screen, and um, just to create a, a picture of how this works in the real world and that it's not some big scary you know, thing that we're doing to you. It's actually quite a relaxing process. It's easy, it's quick, um, there's no invasive um, methods involved. And to get some testimonials um, together that promote neurofeedback within our context as well. So that is something that we are busy putting together currently, and we're quite excited to see the results of. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're getting a lot of interesting plans in place and collaborating more and just trying to spread the word. 
so I'm curious about what, what are your hopes and dreams uh, for the future of biofeedback and neurofeedback in South Africa? So we really believe that our population is a population that really needs more neurofeedback and biofeedback practitioners. Um, we found it such a valuable tool for people that are living through what we go through here. Um, and we'd love to get more practitioners trained up and on board. We get a lot of inquiries. Um, people hear about it and they want to do training. They want to get um, you know, going with this. But one of the big factors is the cost of all of this um, in South African RANs. So because of our current um, political and electricity um, state, the exchange rate has tanked. Um, I think we're currently at nearly 19 to 20 of our South African RANs for one dollar. And the cost of doing the training, the didactic training, any of these um, you know, sort of internationally based courses, whether it's in euros or in rands, is really prohibitive. Um, add the, onto that the cost of the equipment and bringing it into South Africa, the licensing fees, as well as, um, you know, as I mentioned, all the extra bits that need to go together to make a neurofeedback practice work here. And the cost is really prohibitive. And we have partnered with a number of organizations, um, BCIA being one of them, that provide a tiered pricing system. So, you know, we don't expect, um, you know, charity and handouts, but just to make the pricing more relative to what we earn so that we can stay up to date with international trends, attend all the trainings and the webinars and get new people properly educated and um, trained on good quality machinery and products so that we can continue the good work we're doing here and get more people to be in a better optimized and regulated state of being. Um, so our hope is to continue partnering with other organizations around the world so that we can get discounted um, you know, even if it's on equipment or the licensing fees or every little bit helps um, to make it more realistic for practitioners here to be able to get set up as a neurofeedback provider and stay on top of international trends and in research and education. Colleen, I'd like to end these conversations with a couple of one thing questions, if that's if that's okay. So so what is what is one thing you want our audience to take away from this discussion? I'd like to paint a picture of South Africa as a developing nation um, with a lot of potential. There's great opportunity for research here. We have a unique population set and we are a country that always bounces back. Um, we have a history of huge um, you know, trauma and um, a lot of negative things that have happened here. But South Africans are a people that make the most of it. And despite any challenges, you know, a South African will rise to it. And we have a lot of people here who are hungry for knowledge, love to learn, and love to put that learning to good use in terms of helping the wider population. Um, so I'd like to paint a picture of us being as a positive force for change in the world. If we can do it, then anybody can. And I think that sense of positiveness does really come across in what you're saying, even with with all those challenges that you're you're facing. Now, now lots of providers do listen to this podcast, and 
at least the folks that I, I've met, the, the other biofeedback and neurofeedback providers, we tend to be a bit ev- evangelical about it. We really want to spread and we want more people to know about and use this approach. So, so what is one thing that you hope your fellow providers can do to support you? I think to just understand where we are coming from and to be aware that there are challenges that we face here that are beyond our control. Um, so, for example, doing webinars that go on in, in certain time zones, you know, we even if we want to stay up all night and listen in, if the power goes off and the Wi-Fi is off, there isn't much we can do, and it's not for the want of trying. Um, also to have an understanding of the cost implication for us, that the RAND is really weak and um, setting ourselves up, the equipment, the import tax, everything from the electrodes to the paste to the the actual unit is imported. And we simply cannot afford to pay the same price um, in our currency. We have to times it by 20 to make it work here. So it sounds like there's lots of different ways that those of us in more developed areas can be helpful to you and help ultimately everyone in in getting more people to use and to receive the biofeedback and neurofeedback approaches. Yeah, anything from, you know, just a discounted price on a webinar or if we have a student with really, um, you know, great potential who has a, a barrier in terms of affordability to offer a discounted price on a course, um, the equipment, you know, if there's models that are, are demo models, we will purchase those. We're not fussy about secondhand equipment um, as long as we can make use of it here and help 100 people using that equipment. It's already a win. It doesn't always have to be the best and the newest state of the art and things that are coming our way, but just to make it more accessible for the African continent. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners learn more about your work and about uh, biofeedback in South Africa? So our website is biofeedbacksa.co.za. And on there, you will be able to find a list of BCIA certified practitioners where you can contact them directly through their email addresses. The administration's email is also admin at biofeedbacksa.co.za. And we will then be able to point you in the right direction of whatever your question is and who would be best suited to help you. And we'll put all of those links into the show notes so folks can just go straight straight to those websites and learn more. So thank you again for joining us. It's been a really interesting conversation and hopefully we'll continue to, you'll be able to continue to grow biofeedback and neurofeedback in South Africa. Well, thank you so much for having us and for hearing our, our story. You've been listening to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a production of the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. Go to nrbs.org to find out more about the organization, including our trainings, monthly webinars, and yearly conference. Our guest today was Colleen Bowe, psychometrist, neurofeedback practitioner, and board member of the Biofeedback Association of South Africa. She'll be talking to the NRBS on March 30th, so I hope you join us or listen to the recording if you can't make that date. 
Thank you for listening and subscribe to the podcast following the subscribe here link for wherever you get your podcasts. We really do want to hear from you. So be part of the ongoing conversation by contacting us with your thoughts, ideas, and questions at healthybrain at nrbs.org. Leave us reviews as well. It really helps podcasts like this one reach more listeners. Healthy Brain, Happy Body is produced and edited by me. The theme music is Catch It by Coma Media. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue to explore the keys to our well-being on Healthy Brain, Happy Body. Happy Body.